there are some mornings when I look out and I feel like I'm looking at the Egyptians and the Israelites on either side of the Red Sea. <laughs> and this is one of them. Richard Hinions, thank you for thank you for bridging. You are the bridge between the two, the two opposing sides this morning. There are lots of seats in the center and up here at front, those of you who, who need just to, to, to draw a little closer. Um, but that's, uh, that's all right. If, you're, if you are where you are, then you know what? Today is about rest. So I'm not going to ask you to get up and do anything different. I don't know if you guys have trigger words. Um, there are words that I will, I will hear and immediately, or people I'll see, and sometimes smells that I smell that will trigger a memory this happened a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking ahead into Core 52 going, okay, now what are, what are we speaking on? And I saw the words Sabbath rest. And it's one of those moments, if you've experienced this, you can identify with it, where all of a sudden there's this flood of emotion. And for me, the emotion was embarrassment. And all of a sudden you can feel, like you, your body has a physical response to that embarrassment, and your face flushes. And even though there's no one around and it happened a long time ago, you still look back and go, Oh, I can't believe I did that. It was three years ago. And we were in Jerusalem. It was a Friday afternoon, and there was a lot of hustle and bustle going on, trying to get ready for the Sabbath. Our group, our travel group, there were about 40 of us. We had been invited to the home of a Jewish family, uh, sort of a, a, a friendship partnership program that they offer there, where, where Jewish families will invite uh, Christian groups to come into their home and share a Sabbath meal together. So the Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday, and so in the afternoon, there's a lot of energy to get everything right. And in our group, there was a lot of energy. Okay, here's what you're going to go. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what to expect. Uh, here's the family. Here's what you're going to eat. Lots of questions, of course. So we're trying to answer all those questions. I had done it before, and I really felt like I was the expert on all things Sabbath dinner. So I was telling people, oh, here's what it's going to be like. I said, now remember, there's a lot of rules about the Sabbath. So, you know, no work. That's the, that's the real rule. And I, and I told them a little bit, then I said, they're going to explain it when we get there. And we got there, and the family was very gracious, invited us in, and they told us a few things to be mindful of. One, in the lavatory, the light is on. Leave the light on. It's on a timer. It doesn't, you don't have to flip the switch, just leave it on. When you go in, shut the door. You don't need to lock the door. Locking the door would be, uh, would be a, a work uh, so you can't work on the Sabbath. So don't lock the door. Just shut the door. If the door's shut, no one's going to bother you. A whole host of other things explained how the meal was prepared, when it was prepared, so it could stay warm without actually having to use the ovens to keep it warm. Rules about technology, you know, cell phones, all that stuff. Turn that off. Put that away. Don't use any of that stuff. Nothing can work on the Sabbath. We all rest. In fact, they had, they had Arab helpers for that meal that would come in and actually help serve the meal so that the Jewish family could rest as well and not work. Lovely time. Enjoying the meal, conversing with the family, me being my normal charming self, and I thought I'm going to show how deep the bonds of friendship exist between our two countries. And I said something like, hey, share a little bit about the, the architecture. We've seen so much. Are there any you know, architects that, that are local here? He goes, oh, yeah, you should, you should look up. Uh, he gave the name of the guy, and there's a book. And I, where's my, I put it down. But I pulled out my phone, and I opened it up 
opened the app, started typing in, opened the little notes app. And the whole time I'm doing it, I'm just taking notes. And, and of course, the Jewish family, very gracious, don't say anything. The people that I'm traveling with from Sherwood Oaks are not so kind. And they're like, I said, what? I said, you are using your technology on the Sabbath. You have broken their Sabbath. You've ruined their Sabbath. Like, oh, no. And I couldn't even enjoy the rest of the meal. The food was delicious. I couldn't. It was dry. It was sawdust in my mouth. I'm thinking, I have ruined. I ruined Easter years ago for someone. I now have ruined the Sabbath. For this family, unintentionally, oh, we get out in the car, back to the bus, and they're like, you told us to not do our technology. You told us to leave it on the bus. What are you thinking? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so, I, if I could go back and redo that, I Totally, totally would. Oh, I hate that. Sabbath is the cornerstone of Jewish religious observance, and that's what we're going to talk about today because that observance applies to us as well in many respects. So I'm going to pray. Go ahead and turn to your Bibles to Mark, I think Mark chapter 2, and uh, we'll start talking about Sabbath and Sabbath rest. Father, this morning, as we study something that is near and dear to you, we pray that we would have your heart in this matter. So reveal to us yourself in your teaching on Sabbath and rest. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All that to say, there is one word that excites conversation among Jews like no other. It was true in Jesus' time, it's true in our time as well, and that word is Sabbath. It's where we get the word sabbatical, where we take a break from our normal activity and do something that's restful and refreshing. The idea of Sabbath begins in the scripture right at the very, very, very beginning, at the point of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, here's what, here's what is written. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. It is finished, God says, and he takes a place of rest. And resting is now so important that God makes it a command when he speaks to Moses and gives him the commandments for the Israelites. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 10, he says this, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, notice that, nor your male or female servant, so you, your family, the people who work for you, nor your animals, that's interesting, isn't it? Nor any foreigner residing in your town. Man, Sabbath is a pretty big deal for God, isn't it? Despite this being a command, time and time and time and time again, God had to reprimand his chosen people for breaking the Sabbath. And he would just yell at them using prophets and teachers and so many circumstances to say, don't forget the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Because keeping the Sabbath reminds us of who is in charge. (laughs) And if we forget who is really in charge, then we make bad decisions. And we put the wrong people and the wrong things in charge. And that's called idolatry. The Jews are really good at idolatry too. After repeated warnings, finally God says, I've had enough. I've got to teach you this lesson once and for all. And he sends a foreign country, the Babylonians, into Israel. They, they basically destroy the country and they take the people of Israel, the Jews, into captivity back in Babylon. And God says, maybe this, will, maybe this will help you remember how important it is to keep the Sabbath. 
it's, it's a very strong argument that the reason God took those people from their home and put them in captivity was so they would remember how to keep the Sabbath and not succumb to the lure and temptation of idolatry. So, it seems like they really learned that lesson because the time Jesus shows up on the scene, the religious leaders were very keen that nothing was done to break the Sabbath. It's understandable. They had the Romans. Instead of the Babylonians, now the Romans are in their country. Instead of being in captivity far away, they're sort of in captivity in their own country. And the religious leaders, God bless them, said, it's probably because we're not keeping the Sabbath the way it should. And so they start writing rules out. Here's, if we're going to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy, then here's what we got to do. And, and in order to do this, we got to make more rules to make sure we don't break those rules. And of course, these rules need more rules. And it, it honestly it created this environment and this culture of religious scribes and teachers and lawyers who would both teach and preach and also prosecute anyone who failed to keep the law. So it's no wonder that Jesus found himself at cross purposes with these guys. For one, they're just, many of them, sort of ridiculous. Let me give you some examples. You couldn't tie a knot that couldn't be untied with one hand. If it required two hands to untie the knot, then that was work, and that was, that was against the law of the Sabbath. I find this one fascinating. You couldn't eat an egg that was laid, by, laid on the Sabbath, even if it was laid on Saturday and you weren't planning on eating it until Tuesday. If it was laid on the Sabbath, it constituted work from the chicken, and it was off limits. You couldn't eat it. Unless, unless that chicken had been dedicated for the Sabbath meal, and then they decided that the, the egg in that instance had merely sort of dropped off the chicken... <laughs> And didn't really require any work from the chicken. So you could eat that egg, um, but you couldn't pick it up because there were rules about how much you could carry and how heavy a load you could lift on the Sabbath. There were laws against improving or making anything better. For example, you couldn't water a plant on the Sabbath because that would encourage the plant to grow, and growing was work, and you couldn't make the plant grow. I said, you know, there was a, a law about how much you could carry. The, the Sabbath had a limit of one dried fig weight, one author wrote. So when Jesus heals the paralytic on the Sabbath, he breaks a couple of rules doing so. One, he improves a situation. A man was paralytic and now he can walk. Well, that's an improvement. And um, that's against the Sabbath law. Then he makes someone else break the Sabbath by telling the man who was healed to pick up his bed and walk. He's just broken two Sabbath laws there. Now, in addition to not being allowed to water the soil or your plants, you couldn't till the soil. And tilling the soil wasn't just walking behind an oxen with a, with a plow. If your toe scuffed the earth and broke the surface of the earth, that was tilling the soil. So when Jesus reaches down, remember when he heals the blind man, and he reaches down and he takes some dirt from the ground and he spits on it? He forms it into clay and puts it on the man's eyes and the man's healed. Right there are one, two, three, maybe four potential Sabbath laws that are broken. He, he breaks the soil, he waters the soil with his spit, 
He forms it with his hands. He puts it on the man's eyes, and the man's eyes are improved. Oh, man, there was no harvesting, nor pruning on the Sabbath. So no plucking a, a flower or, tr- or pulling a dead leaf off of your shrub no mowing or raking grass, and certainly no harvesting of wheat from a field. So this is where we find Jesus in a field with his disciples, and they're walking through, and they're picking the grains of wheat off of the, of the heads of, of, uh, of the grain. And this is where we find in Mark chapter 2 uh, the account that is our core verse. So uh, let's read what it says. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? There are laws about this. Verse 27, Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's an important distinction there, I think. And he says this, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, what does this have to do with us today? Well, a couple weeks ago we talked about um, our vision to be a a church that has a targeted transformation vision. And those three areas of targeted transformation were the physically at risk, the emotionally at risk, and the spiritually at risk. And so when we, when we, in our deep desire to please and honor God, say we're willing to go and be part of the transformation process God is doing, if we do not ourselves know that only God can do it, um, then, we, then we run the risk of becoming idolaters by thinking somehow that it is in our strength, our efforts, our um, well-meaning work that we think that we can make a difference in the lives of someone and God will certainly use it. But the warning from the Old Testament prophet was this, that when you worship worthless idols, then you yourself become worthless. Not that God doesn't value you, but you, you provide no real use to the people around you unless you understand that God is God and you are not him. So that's why Sabbath is important. The second reason is this, that we have a value here. We live like God owns everything. And we recognize, I told the story about my dishwash, my washing machine being used to, to win someone to Christ. I said, we, we, we recognize that God owns everything. Our washing machines, our money, our abilities, our talents, all those become resources that God can use for his purpose. And for many of us, our most valuable resource, in fact, I would say for all of us, our most valuable resource is time. And God says, I want a portion of your time. And he does that so that we can do something incredibly important to him. So we can rest. Now, we're New Testament Christians, someone said. We're not Old Testament. That's Old Testament. This is New Testament. So, well, you know what? These folks pay me the big bucks to investigate this stuff. So, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig a little bit deeper. I am not perfect at keeping Sabbath, so I have a lot to learn. But what I learn, I'm going to pass on to others. So like a good reporter, my class on uh, journalism taught me this. A good journalist asks several questions when he is uh, writing a paper. Anyone know what those questions are? 
What? Who, what, when, where, how, why? Those are all great questions. Um, And so we're going to kind of do a little walkthrough on those questions right there. The first one is this, who should rest? It's very clear from the early scriptures, the Genesis and Exodus, that everyone should rest. No one gets exempt from resting. Why should we rest? Primarily because God said we should rest. (laughs) If that's not good enough, here's, here's a few other. He commanded us to rest because we are physically designed to require rest. And when we don't get it, life sort of becomes, I use the word cattywampus. Um, It goes in weird spaces. David wrote in Psalm 55, 6, he goes, Oh, oh, that I had the wings of a dove, that I I would fly away and be at rest. Have you ever been in a position where like David, you go, Oh, I just need to, I just need to get away from all this and rest. There's a reason. It's because rest allows our mind, body, and soul to renew and start again with even more strength and focus. God created us to be healthier and more productive and happier when we are rested. You say, well, I don't know, how do we do that? We had a conversation Wednesday night in our, in our telling our faith story class. People were talking about sleep. We detoured of lots of conversations with me do into this sleeplessness and 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 I said yeah rest is so important to go man I don't know I just I get about four hours of sleep I go just because you get four hours of sleep doesn't mean that you need four hours of sleep you you need more the 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 research is very clear on that so you can research that about how to sleep better I'm not I'm not here to tell you how to do that but rest is a little bit different than sleep. Rest in a way that honors the Sabbath and honors God. Um, we can discover how to do that better by looking at Scripture. And the two things that I have found are useful for me is to think on right things and to think about eternal things. And when I can get my mind thinking about the right things, and on eternal things, meaning everything is put in its proper perspective, I find it easier to rest. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, dear ones, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on those things. So when you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and your mind is racing over all the things that are not going the way you want them to, things that are scary, (coughs) things that are anxiety-inducing. My mother told me this once. She goes, Tim, you're not going to solve any of that stuff at 2 o'clock in the morning. You're not going to solve it then. You need to sleep. So what do you do? You turn your thoughts toward God. Open, open the scriptures up. Begin to read about Jesus. If you want to sleep, go to Leviticus and start reading there. That, that will do it at 2 o'clock in the morning. But I love in those anxious thoughts to turn to the one who can calm those anxious thoughts. And Jesus calms those anxious thoughts. Open the word and begin to read about Jesus. Fill your, your mind with thoughts that honor God. And those anxious and troubled and perplexing thoughts could be a reminder to us to refocus them. 
2 Corinthians 4.17 says this, that our light and momentary troubles are achieving something for us. What's it achieving? What's well, achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There are many things that we go through in life that are just stuff. But going through them in a way that honors God builds something eternal in our lives. And so when you're in the middle of that and those thoughts are causing you anxious anxiety, remembering where that is leading to will give you strength and peace to endure it in the middle. Are you keeping the big picture in mind? Are you keeping that eternal glory in mind as you are dealing with them? And if you do, I think you're going to experience rest and perhaps even, even sleep. I talked to my cousin a couple months ago, and we were talking about Sabbath. He goes, well, how do you, do you keep a Sabbath? How do you do that? He's trying to keep and honor a Sabbath. And I said, well, let me tell you about a recent Sabbath I had, and I, I described it to him. It was one of those days where, where you look at your calendar and you realize there's no obligations or expectations from the moment you open your eyes to the moment you close your eyes. Now, generally, I like to keep Monday sort of free for those things where I keep my schedule pretty open and empty, and it allows me, well, we'll talk about that in a bit, but for, in this instance, it ended up being a Saturday. And I don't know, you get up, you make some coffee, you do your Bible reading, you run to Lowe's and get a little puttering, potting soil and do a little puttering in the garden in, the, in, the little, uh, in my little balcony. And I don't know, I've worked, I think I picked up some trash around, the, around my little area downtown, tidied that up a little bit, walked the dog, spent some time with family, got home, made a nice meal for dinner, had a book and read. And I thought at the end of the day, I thought, ah, oh, this was a beautiful day. It was restful. It was refreshing. I got a chance to be involved in people's lives without any sort of pressure or obligation to perform. It was just refreshing and restful. He goes, well, I don't know. I, I thought the Sabbath was where you didn't do anything. I thought, man, I, I, think I, I think I remember thinking that too at one point in time. But I, I, I determined a while back ago to not get legalistic <laughs> about rest of all the things would be crazy to get legalistic about. Rest is one of those that we, we shouldn't get legalistic about it. We still like to make rules, though, don't we, about how to, how, to, how to Sabbath rest. Some people don't go to restaurants. Some people don't do any shopping. Some people don't travel outside city limits. You know, there's just rules, sort of boundaries we put on them. And if those boundaries are put there in order for us to be rested and refreshed, then that's great. But if they are arbitrary rules that just make us feel better about how well we're keeping the Sabbath, then maybe we need to re-examine those. And the way to do that is to look to God who created the Sabbath and Jesus who is Lord of the Sabbath. And when God rested, he did not cease all activity. No, God is still active all around us. God is at work all around us. He invites us to join him in that work, for example. He didn't stop. He just ceased the labor and he rested. I look at Jesus. Again, Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus. How did Jesus honor the Sabbath and keep it holy? Well, man, Jesus went to synagogue. Jesus taught from the scriptures. He healed the sick, the lame, the crippled, the blind, the possessed. He took walks with his disciples through fields. There was no Jesus getting home, putting his feet up in the recliner, getting him a cup of coffee and turning the remote on to golf and sitting back and sleeping the afternoon away. That's not how Jesus observed the Sabbath. He kept a Sabbath that was a blessing to himself and to others. It was a blessing, not a 
burden. That's a good distinction as well. When should we rest? Well, like I said, sometimes mine's on a Saturday. Mostly it's on a Monday. Some people, Sabbath on a Sunday. The Jews, for them, the Sabbath is Saturday, and anything other than Saturday is wrong. But again, I don't think we need to get legalistic. I think we have some freedom about how to Sabbath well. Because again, it's to be a day of blessing, not of burden. And I keep my schedule relatively empty, not so, though I can, not so I can avoid work, but so that I can be available to do whatever God has put in front of me. Now, there's a few things, a few principles. Do be consistent. If you're serious about keeping a Sabbath, and I encourage all of you to consider how you keep Sabbath. Do be consistent. I find that if people know that, that Monday is sort of my Sabbath, they'll help me keep it better by not asking me to do things on Monday. They'll actually aid me in keeping Sabbath. But I tell you, I know a lot of people who, who put off rest and put off rest and put off rest and put off rest until a vacation. And they put all their, their, rest, their rest eggs in the vacation basket. And I don't know about you, but I found vacations are not the best way to get rest. Many of us go off intending to have a great time and we come back more exhausted than when we left. Vacation can actually rob you of important rest. Good things can rob you of rest. For example, you know, Jesus, again, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus um, is, is right there in the middle doing it with him. They're, they're feeding people that come to him that are hungry. The people are coming with the, the lame and the, and the demon possessed, and Jesus is healing them. He's sending his disciples off into other towns, the areas where people are at, and he does, they do the same thing there. They heal people. They deliver people from from evil possession, and they're, they're preaching the gospel. Wonderful, amazing God stuff. And they're exhausted. You know how it is. Good stuff. Exhausting stuff. And Jesus notices that. Perhaps they start to get a little snippy with each other. That's how I get when I'm, when I'm lacking rest. I get a little snippy. And Jesus notices that, and he says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. Jesus says to his disciples, come with me. Just us, by ourselves, to a quiet place and get some rest. Don't wait till the work is done because the work (laughs) is never going to be done and it will be there when you get back. If you can't find a day to get away with Jesus and rest, Find a moment. Mamas, I know you got kids. I know you're overwhelmed. Find a moment. Be intentional about that moment of experiencing and enjoying Sabbath rest. Uh, where do you like to rest? I love walking beside a babbling brook, one of my favorite places. Cameron, remember this? We were in Ireland. There's this picture here. You remember this place? It's a beautiful place in Ireland. I love that place. One of my favorite places, this babbling brook. It was a cold, overcast day. I could have stayed there for hours. But we had a bus, things to do, so I didn't get to enjoy as much time as I wanted to. But uh, Trish Hillenberg painted a painting uh, of the stream down at Spring Mill. That's beautiful too, isn't it? Just a restful place there in the shade and that water is icy cold and it's just cool. It's a beautiful place of refreshment. 
Where do you guys rest? Where do you find a place of rest in your life? Audience participation time. Anyone can answer. Just say loud enough for all of us to hear. The beach? Your front porch. I tell you, I love my recliner, cup of coffee, book, and the dog at my feet. That's, that's very restful for me. The writer of the book of Hebrews described Sabbath rest as not just a verb, not just something we do or something we don't do, but it's described as a noun. What's a noun, English students? Person, place, or thing. It describes rest as this thing that we experience when we come into Christ. It describes rest as this place. I love this idea of rest being a place. It's a space called Sabbath rest that surrounds us and covers us. A space that we enter into through a special door of rest. Where obligations and expectations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and even even obligations from well-meaning Christians are gone. You know what I'm talking about when I say well-meaning Christians who say, now, if you're, if you're really serious about Jesus, then you need to X, Y, Z. Well, if you're, if you're really going to be a contributing member of this congregation, then X, Y, Z. If you're committed to holiness, <laughs> then, well, you've got to do this, this, and this. And they start making rules, and then those rules begat other rules, and then there's more rules. And none of those rules are the entry point into Sabbath rest. Hebrews 4, 9, and 11 calls it a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And they describe it this way in verse 10. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. His works were done, and God rested. Our works <laughs> are futile, and God says, rest. So instead of a list of Sabbath rules and regulations that we're sure to break at some point or another, we're invited into this place, this Sabbath place. It's a place of worship, not work. It's a place of blessing, not burden. It's a place of rest, not rules. How do you get inside? Well, you get inside through the person. We've talked about the the. A person, place, or thing. Well, now we're talking about the person. The entry point is Jesus. says, I'm the door. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when we walk into that space, we experience Jesus. Jesus is the foundation, we're told, of this space. We build our lives and our rest on the foundation of Jesus. We look ahead. Jesus and his love is the covering over us. And it's an interesting space that we're in when we're in God's rest. Because from the outside, you may look at it and go, it feels very restrictive, doesn't it? But when you walk through the door, something amazing happens. The inside is bigger than the outside. And the boundaries that you thought you were going to see all of a sudden are fading off into oblivion. You, it's the most expansive place you can imagine. Rest is not just a place, however. It is a person. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 11, 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and in me you will find rest for your souls. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. Think about this. Jesus, who is over the Sabbath rest, 
submits himself and humbles himself to becoming a servant without, the scriptures say, even a place to lay his own head so that we could experience what real rest is. This morning, are you tired? Are you stressed? Are you anxious? You need rest. Do you feel like you never quite measure up? Do you feel like you're overwhelmed with responsibilities? You, you need rest. Maybe you find yourself like those Israelites, captive to the obligations and expectations of other people, even well-meaning Christians. Then you need rest. I've been there. My childhood, early formative years, I've talked about this, were in a religious culture that had a lot of rules and rules upon rules upon rules. What you could do, what you couldn't do, music you could listen to, music you couldn't listen to, clothes you could wear, clothes you couldn't wear, games you could go to, games you couldn't go to, card games you could play, card games you couldn't play. Old Maid was in. Euchre, I still did not know how to play Euchre, and I blame my Sunday school teacher at that little Pentecostal church that I never learned to play. It's too late now. Don't even try. But it's not just that stuff. We we can, we can fall prey to that as well when we say, hey, there's this great Bible study. If you're serious about the word, then you need to come to this Bible study. Hey, if you're serious about serving God and experiencing the fullness of who he is, then you need to volunteer to help in the kids' ministry. I love the kids' ministry. I'll preach kids' ministry all day long, but I'm telling you, <laughs> rest in more ways than one does not come just because you're serving in the children's ministry. I'm learning that freedom means simply entering into this space where, where I understand that I can just be still and know that God is God and that I'm not. And I can just comfortably be who Christ made me to be. And I'm learning to shut down those voices in my head that make me compare myself with someone else. I love Tom Ellsworth. I love you, Tom Ellsworth, if you're watching. But I'm not Tom Ellsworth, and God didn't call me to be him. I love Sean Green. I love Sean Green, but I'm not Sean Green. God didn't call me to be Sean Green. God called me to be me, and he called you to be you. And man, when you can understand that, it brings so much rest. And I sleep good. <laughs> That's a side effect of being well-rested. You actually sleep better when you're well-rested than when you're not. The other morning I woke up. We sang the song this morning. It was, I was out there going, they're singing the song that I'm going to talk about in the sermon. I woke up singing this song. Lord, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. You ever wake up singing a song? Stand up and sing it with me. Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. This morning, I'm going to be here at the front. We're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to take communion in just a bit. But for now, we're going to sing a song. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. It's a song that many of us know very well. And this is an opportunity. If you need rest, <laughs> rest for your soul, as David said. If you're just ready to fly away and be someplace restful, then God says, come and fly to me. 
Come to me for rest. If you've never made a decision to allow Jesus to be your Sabbath rest, or maybe you just need encouragement to find that place in your daily life, I'm going to be here at the front. I'm going to be singing with these guys here at the front, but you interrupt me, and I want to pray with you if that's you this morning.